there. This is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstart Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is none other than Peter Askew, a longtime domain developer and serial entrepreneur of a growing number of lucrative domain development efforts, such as DudeRanch.com, FidelioOnions.com, and BirthdayParties.com, to name a few. In today's episode, Peter and I discuss how a startup launched his domain development journey, his failed domain development attempts and what he learned from each one, how he developed and sold DudeRanch.com and Geodomain Brevard.com, his current projects, VidaliaOnions.com and BirthdayParties.com, and last but not least, his criteria for assessing whether or not a domain is development worthy. So... With that, Peter, welcome, and thank you for making time to join us today. Dalvin, thank you for having me on, man. <laughs> Certainly. So, quick backstory here for the listeners. So, my wife and I crossed paths with Peter while attending Rick Schwartz's first annual domain investor meetup held in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, and while it was a small group of domain investors and developers and attendants, like in comparison to a traditional industry conference like NamesCon, uh, Peter and I, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to catch up or meet one another. So that all changes today, though. So and I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to chat with Peter and have you listeners along for the ride. So to kick things off, Peter, man, briefly share with our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your professional and personal background. Oh, geez. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, based in Atlanta, uh, born and raised in Atlanta. So ATL. Yeah, so I had a short drive up to Asheville, which was which was very convenient for that for Rick's uh, for Rick's meetup. But uh, yeah, got into the uh, the online kind of game. Let's see, during the dot com boom in the late '90s. Um, but even taking a step back from that, yeah. But grew up in Atlanta. Went to school at Ole Miss. Uh, graduated in the mid '90s. Really had no direction or real clue on on what type of career. This is really pre-internet. This is mid '90s, and thought the movie industry was going to be my first industry uh, or first uh, career choice. Gave that a shot, and quickly learned I didn't have much as much interest as I initially thought I did in that <laughs> industry. Uh, but lived in New York City for that, and lived in Los Angeles for that, and then ended up coming back to Atlanta. And doing uh, working in like small business, my brother ran a, a, a small business here in Atlanta. Started so I started getting more exposure just into the like just small business, how to open a business, how to operate a business, how to run inventory, how to pay salaries, how to pay taxes, how to keep the customers happy. And I found I actually enjoyed that, and I never had any type of exposure to that in, in college. I had a history degree. Uh, from Ole Miss and yeah so I mean I I started doing this business stuff and I was like I'm such an idiot I didn't take a single business class in college (laughs) I I didn't take a single coding class not that they had many uh, in the early 90s but never took any type of coding classes but I was like this this small business stuff is kind of cool but I kept wandering around and um, uh, yeah after I got back to that and I uh, let me see my brother, same guy I was working for. He actually invested in a small startup, uh, here in Atlanta called Etour, E-T-O-U-R.com. And at that time I had stopped working for him and I was trying out the advertising industry and they had plugged me into the internet. This was yeah, mid to late nineties. 
And once, uh, so he invested in the startup and just in passing one day mentioned that, uh, you know, he invested a few thousand bucks in the startup and they were dying for employees. And then it hit me. I was like, are you telling me that I could get a job, you know, messing around on the internet all day long? <laughs> uh, and I was like, sign me up. Cause they had plugged me in and I was learning how to use emails. I was, try, I was trying to understand what this browser was and how you visited a website and, so I hounded that I hounded Etour because uh, I had an advertising background and their product was an advertising product. Right. Um, it, their service was like a slideshow of the internet matched to your interest. So you'd indicate your interest and then you'd have this big uh, orange next site button that you'd click and they would basically get, like give you a slideshow of the internet through your browser. And it was really highly relevant. And then we would insert ads into the rotation. And so I was able to pitch them saying, hey, uh, I have an advertising background, but uh, no one has internet experience at this point. So I was just trying to translate. I have ad experience from TV and radio and print, and I can, you know, I can, I can uh, you know, cut and paste that over to the internet and, you know, and move my knowledge set over here. And so I hounded them enough. They agreed to give me the job there. So that just got me in, into the online world. And then from there, I just started trying to feel my way around on how does this how does this world work uh and overwhelming at points but like a you know a wonderful overwhelming you know trying <laughs> to understand uh you know i always remember in the early days i always was confused on like where does the website live is it, is it here in our office or and they were trying <laughs> to explain to me you know that they had this host i think we were using level three back then <laughs> that you know we had this host that was in another uh, building, actually it was somewhat close by, and we could walk over there to the actual servers in the, in the server room. So I was like, okay, so there's this other computer. That's where our site lives. It's not in the office here with us. It's down the road. It's in this other place. It has lots of refrigeration, a lot of air, moving air to keep the servers cool. And uh, so, yeah, from that, you know, to database and then to the graphic design uh, uh, aspect and, and, uh, and then the advertising component and then being a product manager, how to build a product around this advertising service so we could add um, these websites into our rotation on the site. So I was fortunate enough to be able to build the entire advertising platform within eTour to, you know, how does it look? How does it feel? How does it integrate with the database? How does it push and pull information? How do we turn ads on and off? Um, so just a really uh, good exposure on that. Interesting. So then you really got kind of the A to Z experience of the right time, the right place, at really when the internet was birthed that you rode this wave in uh, to what we know now. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun, uh, but I, I did get laid off from that. So I uh -oh. I made it I made it through. So they did the typical um, you know startup story back then. I think I can't remember how much we raised, or at least the company raised. I start remember it was like thirty or forty million, something like that. And the company was was highly profitable with about you know thirty employees. But from what I understood, you know, they wanted to go public and the magic number back in those days was 300 employees you needed 300. That was the magic number that, um, uh, uh, that growing companies needed to have in order to appear legitimate and to get funding and, and to have a successful IPO. So they were desperate. They were trying to get to this 
rough number and hire enough people to, uh, eh, I guess, to, to, to take care of the advertising product itself and right. to position our company to eventually have an IPO. Um, but 300 employees starts dragging against your investment pretty quick. And so I made it because, and because I was so closely tied to the advertising product, I was the one person at the company that managed the advertising product. And I made sure to get as close as I could to that to avoid layoffs. So I made <laughs> it through basically all the layoffs until they sold all the assets. Mm -mm. I, think it was the th I think it was the third round that I got laid off. But after that, they sold all the assets to AskG's um, and, and basically shut down our Atlanta office and then most of the remaining folks ended up going over to ask It's actually our, one of our VPs ended up being the CEO of ask for several years. He's over at CBS, Jim Lanzone. Ah. He's over. Yeah. So he's actually, I think he's the CEO of last, last I checked CBS interactive. Right. Um, and, but yeah, so that was, uh, that, uh, the experience was, was wonderful. But then once I got laid off and I realized I was in, in many ways, just a number in the company, and that all my loyalty and everything I had done for the company um, wasn't even enough to, to save my job. It, it, it truly it put me on a, on a, a plane uh, where I understood that I needed to look out for myself, that I, I can't rely on a third party or a company for my, uh, for my salary and for my own well-being. And right. so at that point, I was like, I need to start learning out how to do this stuff myself because I need to pay myself my own salary. I cannot rely on a third-party company to, to rely on, uh, you know, just my, yeah, my livelihood. And so that slowly started putting me down the path of, okay, what do I need to do now? Um, and that put me down and started getting, uh, pushing me into paid search, uh, mm -hmm. analytics, just web analytics, and then eventually SEO as well. Um, and then from those three, so I started doing some of those types of jobs. I worked at auto trader here in Atlanta and then a few other smaller companies that provided, um, public records on the internet and started doing heavy paid search for them. Um, and started seeing the impact of paid search, um, just, just paid search outside of SEO. And at one point with this public records company, we were spending a dollar and making $3 on just information. So there was no product to package up and ship out. We were just sharing information and I was promoting it through uh, Google AdWords was pretty much that, that and overture and find what was another old one. Canoodle was another right. old one we were advertising. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and you put me back on track if I if I'm wandering <laughs> so, off off so, your topic. So let me ask you this, because because obviously you mentioned some some things that to younger listeners they go ask Jeeves, what in the world is that? And so yes, yeah, a good question. Yeah, so it, another early search engine uh, that and this was really before Google and Google started uh, you know, taking over market share, their entire perspective was that you were asking a question to this butler on their website, and this name was Jeeves. And so you would go, rather than searching flowers, they always encouraged users to write a really specific uh, uh, search query to say, right. I need flowers in the Atlanta area in zip code 30305. Uh, something that we almost do naturally now within a Google search. But back in those days, folks were 
they tended to search maybe on Google, they would search really broad based terms. They would just type flowers and try to find right. some local flowers. But uh, Ask Jeeves almost encouraged them to write these really long tail, really specific uh, search queries. And then they would try to match uh, the search query. So yeah, it's uh, basically, but to answer your question, another search engine. Gotcha. And early that it was, you know, oh, gosh, Lycos, Alta Vista. I mean, Google had come in in 98, 99. Um, and yeah, Alta Vista was a big one. Yahoo was massive uh, in those days, but yes, another search engine, uh, essentially. Gotcha. So then as you, you know, so, so going from eTour to auto trader, so how did you actually get into, I guess, domain investing or development? Uh, so once I was in paid search and analytics, um, I started dipping my toe into the SEO world because I kept, I kept looking at the search engine results and, you know, 50% of the page was paid search. And then the other organic results were just the SEO side. And in order to get sites ranked for SEO, you've had to, you know, build a site uh, and operate a site. And so since I was having some level of success within paid search, I thought it might be in my best interest to learn how to build a site and then figure out how to properly uh, get a site rank within the organic aspect. Cause I was, I was seeing how, uh, how effective paid search was. So I just assumed SEO would be equally as effective. So if I had more exposure into SEO, um, it might be just another good skill set for me to add to my um, uh, you know, back pocket. So once I started digging into SEO, I just realized, okay, I just need to learn how to, build a site. Let's build a site and let's see if I can get it ranking for uh, a specific term or phrase. So that started putting me down. How do, and then it was, how do I build a website? Uh, what is it? And so I started building uh, just very rudimentary sites on, you know, I'd just get a table. I'd actually go to other people's website, uh, view the source, grab the source, and then put it into some sort of, uh, you know, code editor and then change, you know, some of the content. Most of the time, it was just like a table. So I'd go in there and change the table header or the table dimension and change the content and then realize, okay, this, this table has, you know, two columns. I need three columns. How do I add a third column? <laughs> so and I'd change small things and it'd break. And then I'd have to go back and change it and, and try to identify what did I do to break that. Um, I didn't mean that's, I, I sort of read books, but I, I tend to enjoy you know, learning how to swim when I'm in the water. So I enjoy just getting the code and just monkeying with the code. You know, oh, I want the background to look a different color. How do I change the background? I have no idea. Maybe I want to change the color for a specific row. How do I do that? Um, so that put me down to the development path on how does this work? Where do I host a website? How do you get a domain name? Um, how do I get this site built and rank for a specific term. Um, and then that really started putting me down the development path and I started enjoying it because it, it started feeding into almost my arts and crafts. Uh, ah. uh, uh, like it, it felt like arts and crafts. It was just like a fun experiment to do. Gotcha. And, yeah, and very tangible. You get to see this physical result of, of your work through either code or graphic design. Um, but once I started building my own websites, um, it was, it's, it's a slow, uh, it takes a long time to build and eventually develop a website. It's very time consuming. And so I was Especially trying to find, yeah. And so I, I kept asking myself sort of, I was like, well, how do I speed this process up? I was like, well, <laughs> what if I just bought somebody else's website 
that ranks for a specific term that I might be interested uh. in. And so I was like, well, how does that work? How do I buy a website? And so I started looking and buying a few websites here and there. Um, and do you, do you recall which ones your first purchases or I, I well, it, actually, this was more of a domain name as well. So I ended up buying uh, Appalachian trail.com was one that oh, I shoot. bought. Yeah. So based on that hiking trail, you know, if it starts in Georgia and goes, I think it ends in Maine. If I'm correct. <laughs> no, I, I own the domain. And I think <laughs> it's correct. I think it ends in Maine. So I bought it direct. I, I cold emailed the owner. He didn't respond to me for like a month and randomly uh, responded back. And I offered him a few thousand bucks for it. And he had a very simple site and he did not have AdSense on it. So I bought it from him and then added a few more pages of content. And at that was point, it already I, ranking? Uh, I think it was roughly ranking for a few terms. Uh, and so I rebuilt it and then just did some of the basics of SEO, made the title tags a little bit more descriptive. Um, I knew a lot of people were looking for specific maps. So I was adding maps to the site to make it more helpful as somebody uh, searching for a specific map of you know, the Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail, or the North Carolina section or Virginia, um, and try to make it more helpful for anyone who was planning the trip. Um, so yeah, so, and that one just happened to be a really, really good domain name as well. And so that was one example where I saw the power of a really good domain name and a good developed site as well. And I just happened to have acquired it. And so I acquired it and it started uh, just with AdSense, you know, generating, you know, five or 10 bucks a day for me within AdSense. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is pretty fascinating. And, you know, AdSense will just direct deposit the money into your bank account. And this was entirely on the side. So I was still um, working a nine to five and just doing domaining and development. Um, you know, nights and weekends. Right. Uh, and still just, so, you know, each time you build and, and develop, you just get a little bit better at coding, a little bit more exposure to another right. aspect of the web. And the web changes so much. It's always trying just to stay on top of anything's changing. So at this point, WordPress was getting more popular. So I think at some point I moved the site over to WordPress just to make it a little bit easier to manage and maintain. Um, but I was interested in buying, uh, like acquiring a few more websites and, Buying a website from someone else direct is a very time-consuming and difficult process because you have to, uh, you know, authenticate yourself because it's uh, a lot of website owners get a lot of emails, so it's tough uh, to um, it's tough to kind of differentiate yourself and yeah, differentiate or even just to sound legitimate uh, coming right. through email. So I wasn't having enough deal flow through site acquisitions, and then I kept. You know, as I kept buying, you know, onesie, twosie websites every now and then, I, I slowly kind of kept coming back to the domain name. And I realized if I bought a site, the first thing I needed to do was get the domain name from the other owner. Even if they didn't give me the site content, I could still pull the site content from, you know, a snapshot in archive.org or through other methods. But as long as I had that domain uh -huh. name, I controlled everything. Gotcha. And so I kept coming back to the domain name. I was like, well, how do I buy more domains? So that started getting me into the expiration world where, you know, every day 50 to 100,000 domains are expiring. And if you can find, you know, uh, certain methods to scrape or sift through all those domains looking for a diamond in the rough, right. you can have a whole lot more volume. Uh, you know, every single day there's an opportunity out there to buy a good domain name. So that started putting me down 
the development or, or at least the acquisition side on domain names and then just waiting for a domain to expire that um that struck my interest and so the appalachian trail one is a good one to mention because i sold it um latona you remember rick latona he, yeah. he actually he actually bought it from me uh for thirty thousand, and i used that investment to buy one of my first bigger acquisitions was duderanch.com so i sold latona uh appalachiantrail.com for 30 i think i bought it for three roughly wow. so i had that sale and I'm still doing this on the side uh, with my nine to five. And so I bought Dude Ranch for 18,000 roughly. And, and it was a full expiration drop. It dropped at snap names mm. and uh, I bought it. I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. When I saw that it had expired, I wanted to build just a good, you know, directory marketplace of Dude Ranch vacations and drive them leads. I sit in the middle. I'll make it somewhat easy for vacation seekers to identify a ranch that might meet their needs for their family vacation. And then I can drive those leads to the Dude Ranches and the Dude Ranches would be my customer where they would pay me a yearly fee to be included on the site and help drive them leads and bookings and it was a great industry just because the lead value is so high. It's you know, a typical family of four vacation to a dude ranch for you know, six days or a week is uh, on, the, on the lower side is around 10,000 bucks. So it's a really good high value lead wow. that I can drive, drive over. And if I can just drive each ranch you know, one lead per year, right. it would easily satisfy my you know, 500 to $1,000 listing fee for the uh, for the website. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that kind of moved me into uh, the dude ranching industry. And then I put everything on WordPress on it. And at that so, point I had a fairly good exposure to WordPress. So, and so, so wait, so was it that, so what was it? Appalachian? Appalachian trail. Appalachian. Trail. So was that, so was that your only domain development effort at that moment that kind of jumped you from Appalachian Trail to Dude Ranch? Or, I mean, did you have others that were in between? I, I had a few others. Uh, like one, uh, one of the first sites where I just built and learned how to code was called Planet B&B. And it was a, a similar directory. Uh, when I was trying to teach myself how to code, it was a directory of bed and breakfast destinations. And it was about as ugly as you can imagine. It was just, you know, the homepage had a map and then it was a link to all 50 states, like a green background. Um, I ran it for years and only just recently pulled it offline because it was, it, it, had, it had done its job. And, <laughs> and I just recently pulled it offline, but you could find it in archive. Yeah. Planet uh, letter B, letter N, letter B. Um, that one helped me just understand how to code a website, how to change the background how to get it ranked for specific terms, what good things to do, bad things to do. Um, so I, I, yeah, but I mean, gosh, uh, other sites, let's see, uh, early ones, Appalachian Trail is a good example. Um, Landbetweenthelakes.com is another one that is more domain side and uh, more city-based, similar to Brevard.com. So I bought uh, and have recently sold uh, land, uh, land between the lakes, which is a the, oddly, it's the largest inland peninsula in the United States, and it's right really? over in, in Tennessee and Kentucky. And it's a big attraction for folks in the Midwest mainly. And it's a huge, massive lake two lakes, uh, Lake Barkley and, and Lake 
uh, well, it's two lakes that surround this peninsula, and it has tons of outdoor activities within land between the lakes from hiking to swimming to fishing. Um, and they do a lot of four wheeling and they have a big, uh, um, like a Jeep four by four trail, but land between the lakes is another one that I kind of built and developed. So that that's it. So you've got Appalachian trail, you've got planet BNB, you got land between the lakes. So it's, you know, I kind of look at those sites and I go, okay, with uh, Appalachian trail and land between the lakes, I can kind of see a, a geo play, uh, beginning to surface, but then planet BNB was more like a web directory, and so it's almost like you you kind of spend I guess you spent those first couple of years or whatever between um, uh, I guess more of tourism yeah. while at the same time being more informational. Yeah, informational um, hospitality. I do like the hospitality in the travel industry. Ah. Um, uh, I, mainly just because I think they're fun industries to be associated with. Just you're helping other folks, you know, plan their vacation and be you know tied to this uh this aspect you know the old there's uh uh there's a company called Homeaway, and their old ceo is named brian sharples and he had a good uh speech uh throughout it's an, on a youtube video where he talks about uh, the reason why he enjoyed working at Homeaway because Homeaway was so closely tied to two different aspects that he enjoyed being associated with just memories and happiness Ah. And, you know, going on these vacations allowed his family to create these wonderful memories and everybody's happy. And that struck a chord with me. I was like, I enjoy that as well. Uh, Dude Ranch, you know, touches on that. Land Between the Lakes touches on that. Uh, uh, Planet B&B does in regards just to a vacation. Um, and it just felt like fun. Didn't quite feel like work. It, it felt more like fun <laughs> to me building those out. And it's fun for me to build out because I could go visit Land Between the Lakes. I could go visit an eat bed and breakfast, or I could go visit a dude ranch from a business perspective and try to either lift that industry or, or provide them more value or, or share that industry with someone else who may be considering it. So, yeah, hospitality um, and, and any kind of business that, that is on the outskirts of kind of yeah, memories or happiness, um, I, I really tend to be – uh, drawn to gosh so then from so appalachian trail to dude ranch so now i think you've documented the story on dude ranch i think online if i if i if i stand corrected there yeah yeah yeah. i did yes i i wrote when i sold it about six months ago i tried my best to write a a pretty uh, a, a concise background on, on mm. how I acquired it, how we tried to build it, and and how I justified the price that I paid for it. Um, and so walk us through then in terms of like, I mean, how did Dude Ranch even come across your radar? Yeah, so it had expired. It was previously owned by a Dude Ranch up in New York State that sold a few times to new owners, and the new owners uh, didn't quite take care of that dude ranch called Roseland Ranch. And um, each subsequent owner kind of ran the ranch into the ground. And so they ultimately closed the dude ranch. They operated off the domain duderanch.com. And they operated it for years, shut the business down, and then abandoned the domain name. And once they abandoned the domain, it physically expired and went up for auction. And this was... Yeah, 2009. And this, uh, so I started roughly to, like 
strongly focusing on domaining in 2005, 2006. And so after about a good three years of, of watching you know, expiring domain auctions, for the most part, every single day, checking in to see what domains are expiring, wow. do any domains match kind of the criteria that I enjoy focusing on or that I might enjoy developing. And yeah, in November, roughly of 2019, uh, Do Ranch had expired. And so I had this kind of directory marketplace exposure from building Planet BNB. I had a rough idea how to do it. I knew it could drive leads. It was a good lead generator. I didn't necessarily have to package anything up and ship anything out. I could just stand in the middle, help drive leads, which I sort of learned from the paid search perspective, where I could drive traffic, get the traffic to convert, look at the conversion rate. Am I above water? Am I below water uh, in regards to advertising spend? <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, uh, now I'm losing so you got track into auction. Well, you, you got into an auction, I guess, bid off, right? I think. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so we we got into uh, it was just a good typical, you know, when a good domain expires like that, <laughs> and as a a true drop, you'll get you'll get all the big heavy hitters, and uh, I think Michael Birkins, I remember his handle in there, but I'm sure every single person in the industry was in there, but I had justified in my head. You know, twenty five thousand. I think was the rough number I was shooting for. I probably would have spent up to fifty thousand and just figure it out how to pay that wow. off down the road. I probably would have. Thank goodness it didn't get that high. Um, <laughs> but so it went. You know, just the typical back and forth. I think it was a good thirty minutes. It felt like three hours. The the <laughs> auction process, but going back and forth, and you don't know what the top is going to be because this was still. You know, folks were still making good money on the parking aspect of domain names. Right. Um, and the heavy hitters were, were dropping a lot of money in expiring domains. But uh, this was one I, you know, in many ways, I refuse to let anyone else acquire. Um, <laughs> but I, I wonder what my top bid would have been if it kept going up, what I would have spent probably close to 50. But thank goodness it stopped the exact number from right was 17,949 was the exact number, but it was back and forth, back and forth. I mean, cold sweats. I, nights before I was losing sleep because I kept thinking about <laughs> it. And but I really wanted that. Domain. It was a fingernail biter. It was, yeah, rough. And, you know, I'm cussing at the computer because I don't like the other people. And that, you know, snap names let you see other people's handles. So you can, <laughs> you can direct your anger at a, a person's <laughs> username versus GoDaddy. You know, GoDaddy just shows you bitter four, bitter two. So you don't know right. who it is. So at least you can concentrate your anger towards someone else in, in a fun way. But yeah, so full auction. And then, yeah, won it in November and then took six months to develop it. So then in terms of, so... So you just you said, hey, I was willing to go. I think you said twenty five thousand, but you were like, hey, I'm actually willing to go fifty thousand. So when I start thinking about that, I'm going, what on earth? Like, how did you even gauge? Like, what criteria was that that you used to say, okay, if I know that I'm willing to outlay fifty thousand because it's likely going to return X amount? Like, how did you figure that all out? Or what was your so thinking I behind it? It sort of touches on the fact that this was a, a high-ticket item. And a high-ticket item, so if I assume that $10,000 sale for one typical booking that I might drive through the site, mm -hmm. I might expect if it was $10,000, I might expect that the dude ranch is making you know 30% margins maybe on that lead, so they may make $3,000. So if, if I drive the dude ranch one lead uh, per year, 
they would make $3,000. Now, would that dude ranch uh, be willing to pay me $500 or $1,000 per year to have a listing on my site? Ah, uh, gotcha. That would make sense. To my, that would, I wanted to make my advertising fee just a no-brainer. When they came to me, there was, that, of course, when they see my invoice come through, they would say, yes, of course, Peter, no-brainer. He drives us leads. We see it through phone calls. We see it through our analytics. We see it through form submissions. And so then it turned uh, the equation back over to me where I'd have to determine, okay, how many leads can I drive to these dude ranches over the first year, over right. the second year, third, fourth, uh, to at least give me a perspective on how long it might take me to pay back that investment. And, and, so how, I thought, and how many dude ranches are there? Um, uh, let's see, in the entire universe of dude ranches, probably three or four hundred. Okay. Yeah, and, and all primarily focused, you know, in out west, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming. But oddly, I mean, there's a dude ranch here in Georgia about an hour away from Atlanta, Southern Cross, really? right out I-20. Yeah, they got about 100 head of horses. It's a legit dude ranch. Huh. And But there are. There's some up in the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee and Virginia, up in New York State still. Um, but the big concentration is, is out west. That's where they're big. The big draw is is for the, the old. We have ranches that are 130 years old that have been operating wow. dude ranchers for that long. Um, so that's where most of my customers were, although we had East Coast. So that's how I kind of justified the rough cost. How, okay. many, how many leads do I think I can drive them? And so I looked at the rough. I was like, I think I can drive them maybe 12. To, uh, I could probably drive 12 to $13,000 worth of business in the first year, maybe that same amount in my second year. So I was like, Ugh, that's around 25,000. That seems like, I think I can probably get this domain for 25,000. Um, because when I was bidding, I was mainly bidding against domain investors who wanted to buy it and try to flip it um, right. down the road. So they were limited in the amount that they wanted to spend because they just wanted to flip it. Where on my side, I was able to view the domain from a business perspective where I could put a value, how much money can I generate off this domain if I fully build it out? So in my head, I could put a higher value on it and outbid them, and I'd still be stuck with the the bill on it. But I, I was able to at least justify a higher bid versus most of the domain investors that were in the auction. Thank goodness. So then, how long did it take from the time? So you paid roughly eighteen thousand dollars. Like, how did you recoup that original investment? How long did it take? Uh, Let's see. So I was still working a nine to five when I acquired Dude Ranch. So okay. just my day job, I paid off the domain, you know, in six months just for oh, my that day a cash job. Purchase? Uh yeah, credit cards. Yeah. I just they what? had a credit card. Yeah, yeah. It was credit cards. <laughs> they still allowed well, snap names at that point still it wasn't the wire transfer, because you know, names yet anything over five thousand requires a wire transfer in. Right. This was a credit card transaction. They pinged. I had to call my credit card company to make sure because I was like, please, I do not need any kind of weird stuff going on here. If, <laughs> if I win this domain, because I didn't want to win the domain, Snap Dames try to ping my credit card. My credit card company turns it down and they, I don't know, release the domain back out for another auction. So I was checking with my credit card company saying, hey, I'm about to get an $18,000 charge. I don't need any funny business on your side. I need you to accept it. Right. So they were doing they were doing test transactions on my car to make sure that it would pass, and they were like, "Yeah, it's fine. You're fine. You got a limit. You're good to go." 
And so, yeah, they pinged my credit card for the 18000 <laughs> So I just paid it off on my credit card with my uh, nine-to-five job. <laughs> wow. And, and so that took you roughly how long, I guess? Yeah, like six months. But, I mean, I was using my salary from my nine-to-five. So I was just paying off, yeah, whatever, gotcha. whatever the and, math is. Yeah. And I guess you, you were single at that moment, right? I, Correct. I yeah, yeah. So I was still single. I wasn't married. So uh, I didn't have you – know, my expenses were pretty low. I was just living in a tiny apartment. Um, uh, I didn't need, I didn't need much to, to make me happy. So I just, I paid <laughs> off that investment as fast as I could, just so I didn't have to have that burden hanging above me. Once I got the investment paid off, then I just, it's gravy. Now I can really, I don't feel as not stressed. I don't feel, I can let that site grow as fast as it wants to grow. Uh, um, and not, you know, grow for the sake of growth, because I know I'm in a very, very niche industry in that dude ranch industry might take me at, you know, that industry is, you know, they want to see you, they want to shake your hand, they want to have a relationship with you. So I wasn't sure how long it might take me to, you know, establish a relationship with those dude ranches. It might take two or three years for me to do right. that. But my first conference, I, there's an actual dude ranch conference. And really through, yeah, through an association called the dude ranchers association. So they operate off of duderanch.org. And so I had duderanch.com. And wow. so they were nice enough to let me come, you know, give me a booth at the conference. And so I came to the conference and I started signing up advertisers at the booth, my first conference. And that so, is another testament just to the, the, um, to the power of a good domain name. They right. sort of knew my site. But the fact that I was there and I had a booth and my domain name, but I'll, I'll schmuck from Atlanta, uh, you know, <laughs> going out to a dude ranch conference and I had a booth, I had a tablecloth and I had a few other giveaways at my booth, but nothing fancy. But I started getting advertisers where they were willing to give me a shot. Uh, and they're, you know, very kind to, to give me that shot, but, but it goes, and that started really proving to me these domains are legit. And if you run, I run a small operation because I'm, I tend to build solo and use freelancers when I kind of hit my knowledge wall. Right. Um, and so I like running really lean operations. And so my domains, you know, give me that, I guess you call it an unfair advantage. I right. like the unfair advantage that these really good domain names give me and the ability for me to compete head to head with any size company, just on the sheer fact that I have a really good domain and maybe a really well-designed website and then other small aspects, you know, just the customer service side for, you know, being able, always being on call for my dude ranchers. They need to call me. They have my phone number. They can call me. Most of the time I just pick up. If I don't, I'll call them back within 30 minutes or an hour and answer questions that they might have, or how do they do this or that, or, and I ended up just uh, volunteering and just doing uh, uh, just volunteer work for most of the dude ranchers. One dude ranch had a really bad website, so I just rebuilt their website for them just because I felt like it. <laughs> um, and and <laughs> and just doing small things like that just to help the industry because you know what might take them a really long time or what might you know be a ten or twenty thousand dollar purchase to hire someone to build a website it would take me a day or two to you know build a a modest website on a uh, on an easy to use theme within WordPress, and and then I would give them access to the back end where they can make updates, change their rates, update photographs, and all those all those small aspects. 
Oh, wow. So it's really, so it's, so that, that's an interesting just point of, it's really more about the personal touch than it really is about, you know, cause most people, some people come into this development and they're like, Oh, Hey, I get a domain. I develop it. Um, I'm going to wait for the search engines to rank and then bring me customers. And that, you know, that's my rags to riches story. But yeah. in that case, that's not your story. You're like, Hey, this is more about the personal touch. A personal touch. I mean, this is not a set it and forget it type of development. So, I and mean, that's why a lot of times I try. I'm, I'm very picky on the types of industries I try to uh, dovetail into because I realize it's going to be a long term. Most of the time, I I, I understand it's going to be a ten year project or longer, really? five or ten year. So I need to start settling in and start laying the foundation of how this business can build and grow on that really long term. I mean, I'm Vidalia, I'm in for five or six years now. I mean, I sold Dude Ranch after 10 years. Um, but yeah, long term, but it is, I think Jessica mentioned that on, on your previous speak with her, those small, those personal touches, they go a really, really long way. And, and hell, it made me feel good. It made me feel good to, to help that Dude Ranch. And they're in Jackson Hole. Now I'm good friends with them. And, you know, they run a, a property that, you know, faces the Grand Teton Mountains. And, you know, I've taken my daughter there twice now. And now I can, you know, pop in and say hello to them whenever I pass through, you know, Jackson Hole or out west. But, yeah, personal touches are, it is, it's overlooked because everyone's trying to automate stuff or try to find shortcuts. And I, I don't know why I always tend to go the opposite way. I, I like doing some of these <laughs> long-term, you know, having a phone number that they can call versus outsourcing that to a VA or right. some of the grunt work, doing some of this, the actual coding or rather than trying to wait, not waste time, rather than trying to outsource some of right. the nitty gritty of the business, just do it yourself. Um, the whole automated world that everyone's trying to pitch or promote online I don't know, it sometimes rubs me the wrong way because it seems like you're trying, not trying to cheat, but you're trying to remove the most authentic aspect of the business where if it's a phone number or somebody or somebody physically sees you at a conference and taking yourself out of your comfort zone a lot of times. I mean, I, there, were, there was plenty of times where I had imposter syndrome just really hammering me <laughs> on that dude ranch because I was like, who am I? I they're going to call me out. I feel like a fraud doing this, but every moment you had to take a step back to say, okay, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. I am, I'm trying to provide value to them. I have a great domain and I'm already getting traffic to the site that I can see is either calling or visiting their site or filling out form submissions. So I know I can provide value to them. Um, but it is odd. I mean, on the dude rancher side, a lot of times the dude ranchers, they'll be, you know, some of the dude rancher, like one dude rancher was in the alcohol industry. He had a biggest sale on his alcohol industry uh, on his business and then went and bought a dude ranch. Uh, so a lot of times, most of the dude ranchers have entirely opposite careers, right. and then they exit one career, and they go buy a dude ranch, and then they operate it. So a lot of us have similar kind of careers. Maybe we're based in the city, and then we make a lifestyle change and go operate a dude ranch. Uh, or you're their families that have been uh, then operating them you know, for three or four generations as, as, the, as the opposite end of that. Wow. So, I mean, so you've had, you've had some, up to that point, you were having success in terms of the, uh, the dude ranch Appalachian trail, uh, planet B and B, but let's talk about the, the other side of that equation in terms of failures. It's like what failures or lessons learned experiences have you uh, stumbled up on as well in terms of some of the, the things that you thought, Oh man, I'm going to go buy this domain, develop it 
and fizzle? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, well, in regards to um, one thing I learned, and it kind of touches on what we just spoke about, and there are no shortcuts for this stuff. Folks may pitch <laughs> shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. And a lot of times, if you take the long way, you actually you just build better stuff, I've found. But for other other domains that I've purchased since those dude ranch days that didn't move the direction, I had plenty. I mean, calltracking.com is one that I, I was in love with. And I partnered up with a friend here in Atlanta, and we were going to build a no-frills call tracking application. And it was going to mm -hmm. dovetail into Dude Ranch because I was going to start tracking phone calls from Dude Ranch to all my Dude Ranches. So I'd have That's another nice. layer. So I'd have another layer of um, just analytics to pass along to the Dude, dude Rancher. So I could say, hey, I drove you a thousand clicks, you know, 50 form submissions, and a hundred phone calls this right. past year. Now, here's your renewal invoice. Do you want to renew? Um, so, and there are some really good ones. There's a really great call tracking company here in Atlanta. And I'm, uh, I'm an acquaintance of the CEO. Uh, they're called CallRail. And, but they had, they had, uh, almost too many bells and whistles for me. I, I preferred something just stripped down. I wanted a super simple call tracking application. I just needed to generate a number. And then because I'm cheap, I didn't want to buy multiple numbers. I wanted one number with extensions. So for Dude Ranch, I could have one number and they could type in, you know, extension 101 for Alvin's Dude Ranch, 102 right. for Peter's Dude Ranch. And that way I'd only have to pay for one single number versus, you know, you have a separate fee per number that you use or lease per month. Right. Uh, so uh, long story short, we built that. It took six months, six to nine months to build the dang thing, built it. And then I started hard selling it, um, even to people who gave me a, basically a, a thumbs up uh, saying, hey, we're very interested in this. If you build it, you know, from agencies to end users, that built it and then went and tried to sell uh you know, subscriptions to it. And I just got meh. This is just, meh. okay, whatever. It's just another call tracking application. Now, how and much had you invested in it? We bought the domain for 20. And then Whoa. we had about maybe eight to 10 in development. Um, not even including my time. So I just, all my time. Oh, just sunk in. So I'm not even looking at my, I didn't, I didn't even draw a salary from it. So I just built it out. But I love the domain. But it, so it fell flat hard. And so at that point, the once my friend, uh, the CEO at CallRail, got wind <laughs> that I bought that domain, because this is the name of the industry. Uh, you know, if, if people need right. call tracking software, they search for you know, call tracking. The, the cost per click, and this dovetails back into paid search, the, the cost per click is insanely high, anywhere from 100 to $130 a click within Google, only because it's such a profitable industry. Right. So it's super expensive to buy clicks uh, for the call tracking type terms. And so um, once, uh, once Andy, who's the CEO of CallRail, you know, got wind that I bought call tracking, you know, he opened up dialogue saying, hey, I, he was like, how did you get that domain name? Oh, I wish, uh, can we have lunch and just talk through it? And I was like, and, and I knew him well enough. So we just, we had lunch a few times and I tried to make, him understand I, i'm not trying to gun i'm not trying to go after his customers i just wanted a super simple call tracking application but right. he was nice enough to just leave the door open saying hey if the thought of selling this ever crosses your mind if i could get first right or refusal i would really appreciate first right and i was like wow. of course i mean you're a local atlanta guy. i mean we're all pretty tight you know the atlanta startup scene is pretty tight and 
so after we built it, after I started trying to sell it, and I was getting nowhere selling it, uh, but the site, I mean, amazingly, it goes back to a great domain name. The site was getting, I don't know, 10 to 15 organic visits a day from people just typing it in and going to calltracking.com. And when you apply the 100 to $130 a click to the traffic, it, the name, outside of the name alone, it had value just based on the traffic that it was receiving. And so when we realized it wasn't going to work, I reached back out to Andy saying, hey, uh, I, I, uh, you know, I offered you first right. If you want to consider this, throw us some offers and we can figure out if we can get a, meet, meet in the middle. And so I said, and I made sure he understood, okay, we have the domain for sale, but you're also buying traffic because this thing is getting traffic. If you want our existing customers, we had a few at that point. You can we can hire the customers, or at least can you please take care of them? If right. you buy this from us, don't leave them hanging. And so, we went back and forth, and then found and the the end of the day number was I think one twenty one hundred and twenty thousand that we sold it to nice. uh, CallRail for. Um, and so had had um, yeah, fairly good exit, but it, but in many ways, I mean that was a a failure that did not work. I got lucky <laughs> that we were able to sell it. Um, and one other I wouldn't quickly mention at landsurvey.com is one. I think there's still an opportunity in that. I, I tried to build it out as a directory of land surveyors, had a lot of challenges trying to educate the land surveying industry on the value of advertising. I think that's that? Yeah, I, I think that that's a really old school industry. I don't think they quite understand. Huh. I had challenges trying to educate them on the on just the value of advertising. I I had assumed that they we're up to speed. They really rely on a lot of word of mouth. So I was trying to sell them on the aspects of, or the value of being listed under Atlanta land surveyors or that right. category within Atlanta or Georgia. And they, uh, they expressed no interest. And so I had to take a, a back now, whether this almost goes back into sites that I prefer building, which tend to be more hospitality, you know, memories, happiness, that kind of stuff. And it didn't touch on land survey. I think, there is a business model, but I didn't give it enough time because it wasn't the type of industry that I enjoy developing. Uh, so I started yeah. going into it, started getting pushback, and then I was like, "Yeah, I don't even enjoy building this type of industry. I, I prefer, uh, you know, hospitality, travel, memories, happiness." And so I was like, "I just need to pull back and figure out what to do with that domain name." So hopefully. I've had nibbles. I've not gotten close to selling it to a couple of land surveying companies. So I think that one hopefully can just sell down the road eventually to somebody who might want to build out a, another. But it's, it's an incredible domain. I love the domain. And it's a gargantuan industry. I mean, from commercial land surveys to right. residential land surveys, it's a huge industry. And that's what I was I was gaga for when that domain. And it was expensive. I spent 26000 on it, I think, is what I spent <laughs> on it. It, Man, was, it was really expensive. You and um, these twenty twenty thousand dollar domains. Yeah, that one you know sort of hurt, but I you know I it uh yeah, but you know I was able to offset some of that cost from the call tracking sale and ah, um gotcha. and so that helped so I could pay off that so hopefully I, but, I'd be I'd sell it for what I got in it for the most part just to get out of it but it, right. it, it still has industry it it still has um it's still it has a lot of opportunity either for someone else or even me maybe I just strike out on my own and try to. <clears throat> try to do it again down the road. Well, that's interesting because I, you know, I would take something like a land survey and definitely equate it to something like a dude ranch. Obviously, dude ranch is more of a vacation. Um, yeah. Whereas land survey, though, I'm just thinking, I'm going, it's almost like you take the same playbook 
and attend a conference there yeah, for land yeah. survey yeah. and do the same, you know, watch, rinse, repeat. Yep, yep. But you found that not to be the case, though. Yeah, so I attended a land surveying conference, and um, it, maybe it was the wrong one. I, it would, they have their big <laughs> national association, so I was like this. I, I assume everybody goes to the main national association. It was in Vegas, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, went, and I got the same kind of reaction I got from people over the phone or in real life here in the Atlanta and the Georgia area. Them just kind of looking at the product and the service going, meh, okay, you've got a new domain, but like, nah, I don't, I get all my leads from the local government or association. We have a partnership with maybe an engineering firm. The engineering firm feeds us all. And so I was trying to convince them, well, what happens if that lead goes away? What happens if the engineering firm stops giving you leads? And, and right. then they were like, oh, uh, we haven't even thought that far. <laughs> so I was like, you may want to have some backups. How about you start driving your own leads through land survey? And they're like, man, we'll think about it. And <laughs> just nothing would happen. I was like, you know what? I'm spending a lot of time in this and nothing is converting and I'm not having any fun doing it. I was like, eh, I have fun. I got spoiled with Dude Ranch. I was like, man, I got a business here that I get to go visit out west, you know, two or three times a year, go hang out at a Dude Ranch where I get to fly fish and trap and skeet shoot and ride mountain bikes and then i get to photograph everything and share videos and be on vacation for my business <laughs> and then i'm trying to down downshift into land surveying which i was like this isn't as good of a match as i thought it as i thought it might be um yeah so that conference didn't work and then i was like i need to reassess what i did but this i just spent a lot of money on a domain name <laughs> and, I, and, I, and i don't know what to do with it <laughs> So, so now, how big, I guess, is your domain portfolio? I mean, we've talked about the, the sites that you develop, but, like, I guess, do you have a portfolio, and what size is it? It's getting smaller every year. It's, oh, really? It is, yeah, it's because I just tend to, you know, buy to develop. And so oh, okay. if I can't buy it, if there isn't a development path for a domain that I'll acquire, I tend to just, I'll pass. Um, so how big was the portfolio, and then where is it at today? Yeah, good question. Um. Yeah, I probably got as high as maybe three to four hundred domains, probably in my peak. So nothing, nothing terribly large. Um, and then I'm easily under a hundred right now, maybe closer to fifty right now. Um, but if I do acquire a domain, it's usually in the yeah one. I mean, twenty is usually around my very, very high. Um, there hasn't been a domain that's expired yet. Napkin.com was one that I was all, I was almost willing to bid on but i didn't see a development path i was like what am i gonna sell napkins on the internet or fabric <laughs> napkins what am i gonna do but just the name itself was just so beautiful uh that it could just be applied to anything to a you know, startup i think a startup firm bought it i think they operate mm. off napkin.com um that was one i was very interested in but it ended up just passing because i didn't see a development path for it um uh but yeah, so yeah, I would I would probably say around fifty or sixty right now. But every year, if I have a domain that either sells or, um, or if I don't have a use for it that I bought years ago, I just let it expire and move on. Ah, uh, he cut cuts the losses then. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So then, kind of with where you're at today. So I mean, what's the backstory? Obviously, in terms of most people know you, or rather, we see that you're you're actively tweeting about onions out of all things these days so yeah. what's the what's the story on the the vidalia onions.com project like how did that all come to be yeah it uh, another expiring domain name um 
expired in 2014 and really? just being in Georgia yeah uh being in Georgia you know, I'm familiar with the onion and it's you know considered the uh you know the caviar of sweet onions if anybody is hmm. preparing our especially fancy chefs if they're preparing meals and they ask for a sweet onion they always default so get a Vidalia if you can get a Vidalia get one if not you can go consider you know the alternatives you know Walla Walla or Texas 1015 or a Maui but and so I saw it, and I this one was the most fascinating just for me, and just trying to analyze myself on on why I am drawn to some domains versus others. And, and most of the time, I don't I don't quite know. I just, whenever a domain is presented to me, then I can really dig into it to see if there might be some level of interest, because my my purchase path tends to move this way. I have to have some level of interest in the domain first. Um, and then if I have a level of interest, is there opportunity there? And then if there is opportunity to either provide a product or a service, if there is opportunity, then I'll try to figure out profit. Can I make profit? If there is opportunity, can I keep the thing afloat? Uh, and typically I'll, I'll just buy it based on interest, whether that's right or wrong. That's how I tend to do it. I buy it because I'm interested in it. And then I figure out if there's an opportunity. Land survey, I liked it. I had an interest. I bought it. There was no opportunity. There didn't appear to be an opportunity. Um, and then I found out I really wasn't interested in it. Um, Interesting. But so it's kind of like uh, key lime pie, right? Because I, I think you had a tweet. That yeah, went out I'm, key lime pie. That so. one, that one's not really going anywhere right now. <laughs> I tried to find. <laughs> I, I tried to find a, a key lime pie provider or baker. I found a really interesting one up in New York City, but he, uh, he, uh, I think he's going his own route. He, he, he gotcha. is interested in kind of building it out. He owns the domain, uh, the great domain keylime.com. Mm. So he's going to, it appears he's going to try to ship and fulfill, and I can't blame him. He's going to keep it all in-house and not leverage a third party. Vidalia was a really just such a wonderful match between me and the farm or the farm, the farm didn't even have a website prior to me meeting and get, being introduced to the farm down in Vidalia. Um, and so it expired and I truly had no interest in, uh, I thought the domain was going to sell for five or 10,000 bucks. So when it was around 1800 or 2000, I was watching it and I was like, let me just drop a bit in at 2000. Cause that's still a pretty good deal. Right. Pretty com pretty confident. I'll be outbid. And this, maybe it was around 2200, uh, 2200, put a bid in and then crickets, no one else bid. And then I want it for 2200. And I was like, son of a gun. I was like, okay, <laughs> another 2200 bucks. Let's find a way to pay this on the credit card. Um, and so I got it and then moved right back into dude ranch, moved into, uh, what was I do? I was mainly dude ranch moving. I went right back into dude ranch, but I kept working on dude ranch. And then I kept looking at Vidalia. I was like, I kept, I guess it was my gut or something just kept telling me there might be something there. And I kept thinking about, you know, I buy those pears from Harry and David every year. Right. Um, and they have such wonderful pears. And so I was like, well, who's doing that for Vidalia? Who's doing that really well? Like farm to door Vidalias. Onions. Let me, onions. Let me search on the internet and see who's doing that well. And there were a few farmers who were just kind of has he doing it you know one farm makes you fill out a piece of paper they have a pdf on their website and you have oh. to print the pdf out and and write out the credit card number on the piece of paper <laughs> mail it mail it to them and then when they get around to it they'll send you some vidalias <laughs> and so i was like i'm confident i can make that process a little easier but i gotta have a good farm and 
So I got introduced to the, they have a Vidalia Onion kind of business committee and council down there. And so I cold called them and went down to visit. It was nice. They're only three hours away from me driving. Nice. So I just drove down there, met them. And just to prove to them, I'm not some weirdo from the internet that I'm interested. I have a background in building businesses for really kind of niche industries. There seems to be. And so I really got into conversation with them. I was asking them, where do you guys see the lowest hanging fruit to this industry? Now, whether they were trying to butter me up, I don't know, but they kept saying mail order, mail order, uh, and, and which, you know, basically internet orders. They were like, mail order is, is something that the farmers are not concentrating enough on. I was like, okay, that's what I'm kind of interested in doing. And so they introduced me to three farmers just saying, cause I kept repeating to them, you know, I have, I have the domain. I have this great domain. I know I can build a really good, easy to use e-commerce website, but then the final you know, component is I have to have the best onion or just one of the best onion because if I start shipping a, a, a poor onion that's either hot or mushy or got brown spots, this is dead in the water. Yeah. And so they were nice enough to really just uh, cherry pick some leads for me. And so I just, and they were able to introduce me to make it a little bit easier where I'm not, I don't come across as a weirdo on the internet. So they were at least able to introduce me and, and make the connections. And I hit it off with, you know, the third farmer that I met and, and, and he's been such a blessing to me and his name's Aries Haygood. And, um, we were a really good fit, uh, in regards to, um, partnering up and being flexible and what our expectations were on this business. We both didn't know where it was going to go. Right. And so we were both, we were both in the camp of, let's just put it out there and see what happens. And so they have, they have a shipping and fulfillment ability down at their packing shed in Vidalia. So UPS backs up to our farm dock door and we fulfill directly from our packing shed um, onto UPS trucks. And so we just, we just roll the dice. And at that point I was accepting, I was collecting emails from the website homepage for like, I just called it priority notification. I still have it up in our wow. off season. So submit your email and then I'll send you an email when we're officially accepting orders every year. And so the first year, I just collected emails for six months, and then I pinged all those customers and then did heavy paid search for the remainder of the year. And okay. we, had, we had some fairly good exposure with an SEO as well. And we did you know, 600 orders in our first year, just out of the wow. blue. Companies, you know, somebody never given us business before. They, and they took a risk on us. And so I wanted to make sure that we were um, – you know, shipping stuff, but I was answering calls from customers to make sure if, if UPS lost a box, you know, I need to do whether it's the customer, whether it's the customer's fault, whether it's UPS's fault, it doesn't matter. I take care of it and I fix it. Even if we lose money, I fix it and send them another box or do a make good or give them credit or X, Y, Z, whatever the customer really wants to try to take care of them as much as possible. Um, and I found I really enjoyed that aspect. And a lot of the customers enjoy just talking to me on the phone because they're <laughs> either from the area or grew up in the Southeast. And now they're, you know, they're positioned out in Portland, Oregon. And, you know, you cannot, it's very difficult to find Vidalias out there. Yes. And I can get, I can ship, you know, within five or six, no, excuse me, four or five days out to Portland. Right. And they can have dock to door, you know, onions for, you know, as low as two fifty a pound, which you can is wow. in, in many ways cheaper than the grocery stores here in Georgia. Now that that is amazing, and so you really found then, I guess, a a great match in terms of 
uh, kind of running the, the helping to, I guess, get the efficiency right in terms of logistics, but also being that front face correct. Uh, to the company. So I could take that off. Correct. Yeah. So I could take that off the farm. Um, but I do partner with them. So this is all basically under the farm's wing. Um, wow. We operate this with the farm because this is MNT's farm. In the early days, I was trying to determine, do I ship, uh, do I pick three farms and do I ship onions from three farms just so I have? Uh. And so one of my early decisions was, no, I'm going to pick. Now, whether is it, this is right or wrong, it's turned out to be the, for us the right decision. I made the decision just to choose one farm. Because I was more concerned if I pick three farms and if one farm starts shipping a bad onion, I wouldn't know which farm to turn off or it'd be very difficult for me to find because if I start shipping bad onions, this, this project is dead. Right. I have to have consistently good onions. And M&T and Aries became highly regarded. And I was able, uh, it came highly regarded from the, the Vidalia Onion Business Committee. And so I just decided just to partner with Aries, and it, this would be an extension of MNT Farms. This would be sort of their website because they didn't even have one. And then a component of the website would be Farm to Door. But we also have you know a wholesale side. We have a fundraising side. A, a lot of folks do fundraising efforts and buy Vidalias, and we'll ship them you know a truckload of of Vidalias to sell for a school fundraiser or uh, for any kind of nonprofit. But uh, a really good match where Aries and his crew can concentrate on growing a great onion. And this is just a value add because the majority of their business is still, you know, doing bulk. And they ship millions of pounds of Vidalias every year. So what I'm providing them is just, is just icing on top of the cake for them. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. So then... So it's not that it's just an onion, because obviously I'm going, I don't know anything about onions um, other than please saute them. Uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so it, it's kind of one of those things that go, well, VidaliaOnions.com. I mean, why not just onion or onions.com? Right, which I, 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 we can dovetail into that. So I did have the opportunity to buy onions.com, uh, uh, let's see, in 2000, right at the beginning of 2019. Um, after I started having some success with Vidalia, um, the domain, it had passed hands a few times, and one of the owners placed it up for sale on Flippa, and I was aware of it. A few of my other friends, you know, Warren Royal, who runs Bobbleheads.com, is here in the Atlanta suburbs, and um, uh, and so he and I speak every now and then. And so he pinged me and let me know that, hey, Onions is going up if you want to try to get it. At that time, I thought... It, it wasn't a very good match because I'm so boutique. I, I sell a Vidalia. I don't sell an onion. I sell a Vidalia onion. Very different than onions.com. So I initially I just passed. I wasn't interested in it. <laughs> and it sold for like 18000 and And I, I suppose the person bought, who bought it had read maybe a story about what we were building with Vidalia. And maybe he thought we, he would be able to flip it to me for an instant profit. And so not a week after he bought it, he shot me an email saying that he was checking to see if I was interested and I passed. And, <laughs> and, and so Ouch. after that point, I saw it for sale on biz by sell. And then I saw it for sale again on Flippa and then, and it wasn't meeting reserve. And the highest bid they were getting was six to eight thousand bucks, roughly. And and then I think I went to Namescon last year. Was it last year? And I bought it. Yeah, it was last year because I can't go this year. But I, I went to Namescon, 
And some other domainers just gave me a good perspective saying, listen, this is a really, even, we understand you sell a boutique item, but there's one opportunity for you to get this domain name. And I did. I had some extra cash from the call tracking sale. And I was like, you know what? They're exactly right. I'm kind of stupid not to consider this. Let's just buy it just for a good blue chip domain name. I'll figure out what to do. And we still don't quite know what to do with it. My farmer is actually using it for email now. So his email is aries at, at onions.com. So wow. <laughs> I'm, just letting, I'm just letting him use it for email, which makes me very happy. I, I appreciate the fact that he can leverage this that yeah. that you know that gorilla of a domain name. And, and I bet then, that brings him into many conversations. I I hope so. I hope so. So he's just started using the domain you know, the past month. So I've owned the domain you know, over a year. Wow. And I'm still, you know, we have the potential of selling another onion in our off-season, a Peruvian sweet onion. So some Vidalia farmers are going down to South America and to Peru and growing the same Vidalia seed in Peru so we can have Vidalia-type sweet onions throughout the entire year. Oh. So there might be an opportunity which we, we're going to begin shipping or get to test shipping Peruvian sweet onions at the end of, or in fall of 2020. And so I'll probably do that through onions.com, probably onions.com slash Peru. And maybe there are some other aspects where I can, maybe we go down into sal- uh, maybe salad dressings or relishes. I'm not quite sure on that, but <laughs> I enjoy, I enjoy just the raw product right now. And I let right. everyone else make their own salsa or, you know, relish or, or what have you. Nice. And so now you mentioned Peruvian. So I guess, do you own Peruvian onions or? Yeah, so I, just, I, bought, yeah, I got luck. Yeah, so I got, yeah, thank goodness they were open reg. I just, I grabbed PeruvianOnions.com and PeruOnions.com. They just, they redirect to Onions.com. I was like, I'm not going to let any domainers grab those. Sorry, everyone. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, so so between, so then between Vidalia Onions, obviously that's, uh, I guess it's kind of a seasonal thing, right? Correct. Yeah. So that that's worked well. So I, it's, I open up. Well, we begin shipping. the The beginning of the season changes every year, just based on the maturity of the onions. So usually, it's the end of April, beginning of May is when we begin shipping. Um, so it's usually May, June, end of July is when I am shipping hardcore. You know, uh, uh, every single day, taking phone calls every day. My phone line is open between noon and four <laughs> usually, um, and. I'm in that fulfillment aspect. Yeah, so it is a, it's a perfect seasonal business and great for the farm because they don't have to necessarily employ me. I, uh, I, I work with them. This project is, is kind of nested under their wing, but my salary is paid from the sales that I'm generated. Uh, I'm generating off of the website, and then, nice. um, then they get just extra exposure and just a, a web guy on their side. They don't have to, um, uh, they don't have to necessarily focus on well, shoot, they get more than a web guy. They're getting like a full digital strategist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't even know what to call myself <laughs> some days, dude. Hey, a, a jack of all trades, a master of what's important. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. <laughs> so then with Vidalia Onions being seasonal, so then obviously let's talk a little bit about birthday parties and kind of where that all came from. Because I believe that's uh I know that's one that you mentioned while we were there in Asheville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so yeah, Vidalia seasonal. Um and I've been trying to find I mean land survey went down this. So I've been trying to find one bigger project that I can really go a deep dive on. 
I thought land survey might be it, and it, it ended up being not the best match for me, but something that I can concentrate on year-round, but then downshift into Vidalia during its seasonal part, because I don't anticipate leaving Vidalia anytime soon. I, I Maybe never, because um, <laughs> uh, I enjoy it so much. It's such a, a, a fulfilling industry, and I'm, I, feel, I feel fortunate to be even associated with that industry. But nice. trying to find another project where, where similar to Dude Ranch, I can get really, really deep, um, and really commit to it for a long term. And I've been looking for it for many years. And then uh, in 2018, the domain birthdayparties.com expired. And it was a, um, well, at least it appeared to me and still appears because I, I have no paying advertisers yet on the whole project. But it had a similar model to Dude Ranch. Um, I can provide a helpful marketplace or directory and I've actually had this pain point. I have a nine-year-old daughter, and every year, uh, you know, her interests are changing. So I'm always looking for interesting birthday party places in the Atlanta area, and I'm not interested in driving 30 or 40 miles away to the suburbs. I'd like to find one that's close to my house that is uh, appropriate for a nine-year-old and maybe is targeted to girls or boys and girls. But you almost create a search engine where I can just search. Just show me all the birthday parties in my place, in my, in my rough area. And nothing like that existed. Hmm. So this has been one of the rare points where I, I actually had a slight, uh, a slight need for myself. I was scratching my own itch, and and I knew and I know how to build these types of sites. It's a pretty good lead. Typically, a birthday party is the average birthday party is around four hundred bucks. So if I can drive one lead to them every year, maybe I can charge a birthday party destination ninety nine bucks a year to be listed on my site. And if I drive them one lead, it would cover all their profit and my advertising. And then all the additional leads that I drive them are just gravy for them. Huh. Um, so uh, once that one expired, um, I went, yeah, pretty much all in. I was uh, very committed to it from the auction. It expired at GoDaddy. And, um, and actually, let me just pull up name bio too, because it, it, Alvin, it sold. Let me get the exact number. Hopefully, I don't take long doing this. <laughs> it sold about 10 years ago. Yeah, 2007. Birthdayparties.com sold at GoDaddy for $65,000. And wow. somebody owned it for this rough 11-year term. Didn't renew it. Goes back up for auction at GoDaddy. And I grabbed it for 5600 at GoDaddy, which I was willing to spend a whole lot more, probably not 65, but You're probably in that 20,000. So in that 20,000, I probably would have spent 20 or 25,000 on, or maybe a little bit more. Um, and you so got, got it really, for less than 10% of what they, wow. Yeah. It's, they it's, so I was very, very, I was happy with that price. And I don't know if, if I caught other investors sleeping, but that's about <laughs> maybe the right price. It could have been a, an end user trying to buy it. The domain, the domain investor price was probably around five, mm -hmm. ten, possibly. But um, I was very happy to buy it for fifty six hundred. And then I went into the development, did all the development pieces the right way. Dude Ranch, I coded and hand designed myself. This one, I, I had, uh, I, I found a really good designer developer that's actually local here in Atlanta. Used her to really do a, a, a design and development that's built for long term, really mobile responsive. Nice. Um, and you know, got a logo created for it, business cards, the whole, the whole nine yards, and then launched it on September first. And so I'm in, I'm in, the, in the mud right now, just building it 
establish, uh, establishing relationships, buying traffic through paid search, monitoring the website to make sure it's helpful for customers because, uh, and I'm just using some of the raw analytics. Are they staying on the site for a couple of minutes? So the average right. time on my site's four to five minutes, which nice. I, I love seeing. Are they filling out the form submission? So I have, if you visit, you know, Alvin's ball pit, and I'll have a form submission on each listing page that says, hey, reach out to this birthday party uh, if you want to get a lead. So I'll forward all those leads to the birthday party destination, almost like an olive branch. So I'm getting, a, I've had, gosh, maybe 30 or 40 form submissions sent through the site already. People are signing up for my email uh, reminder. So I'll have a reminder every year. I'll send suggestions uh, based on your child's age, your month and your child's age and your location. And so I have families signing up uh, for the email newsletter. So it's, it's, it appears to be um, the resource itself seems to be helpful so far. I mean, I've been using it for myself to plan my daughter's birthday. I have to remind myself, okay, what is nearby? Okay, we have an ice skating rink. We have all that. We have the roller skating place. Right. We got the little kids spa place. Oh, we have the cooking place. I forgot about the cooking place. Oh, and then also the karate instructor does a really good birthday party kind of under the scenes, um, but still, uh, uh, yeah, one to consider. And, right. and so we also provide pricing and availability, not availability, but the pricing um, extras that you might get uh, with with each birthday party uh, destination. But those are my two kind of primaries that I'm really focusing on right now, birthday parties and Vidalia so uh, is, from a so development standpoint. You mentioned birthday parties. So is birthday parties, I guess, well, at least for right now, I guess you'd say that you're just trying to focus on the Atlanta area, but is that something that I guess grows, I guess, to the U.S. footprint or is that a global project? Like how do you... It, it, it could be global. Uh, I will concentrate on the U.S. first and go coast okay. to coast. So I'm in Atlanta and Nashville. I'll be within uh, Charlotte here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then I'll expand out and probably go to Seattle, uh, Los Angeles, Phoenix, and then up the East Coast, Philadelphia, and then into Texas with Dallas and then Colorado. But I'll start fulfill, uh, 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 populating some of these larger cities where a, a big concentration of families are primarily i don't necessarily need big population i want big population of families uh, gotcha. that have kids so some cities you know rise up above you know san francisco is right. interesting but there aren't that many families in san francisco so it's, a, it's actually very low on my radar to to populate versus like in atlanta is is a great city to to start right. off in and i have over a hundred maybe 120 different listings all over atlanta nice uh, for birthday parties and i still have 50 or 60 to go um, but I, I, I'd like to get three cities kind of populated and then slowly transition into maybe the sales or promotion and see if I can get some initial advertisers in there right. um, and almost turn myself into a sales salesperson, which I'm still trying to learn that aspect. And that's a, that's a deep well that <laughs> I'm trying to educate myself on how to properly sell, how to um, you know, present your value right. or your value add to the, to the business. But yeah. But yeah, but eventually global, I could see this in Europe. I could see, I mean, definitely in Europe, um, and because if there is a birthday party place that hosts birthday parties, or if they have a mobile venue, like there's a new one called Game Truck that will deliver oh, those yeah. mobile, mobile video games. That is a huge. Tractor trailer, it's huge. Yeah. And so if it's a mobile experience, you know, that's, that's equally, so you can search by those types of venues. Do you want a 
physical venue or do you want a mobile experience so you can sift based on a mobile or a physical venue within birthday parties as well um, but to slowly try to pitch those services to those businesses to see what am i doing right what am i doing wrong if they're not interested i need to look at the business or look at myself i'm not doing something right because i'm confident um, i can drive them a lot of business and this type of service doesn't exist on the web right now there is no central um, marketplace directory search engine for birthday party venues uh, or, or mobile operators. So I'm trying my best as a solo operator to get out there and um, yeah, try to effectively sell it and make it, make it in their best interest rather than, and hopefully make a little bit of money on my side to keep the operation uh, uh, profitable and keep its head above water. <laughs> right now. Hey, if you can sell onions, online dog. Yeah. I mean I, I believe you can sell birthday parties. <laughs> so I hope. I hope. <laughs> so then other cool question is so do you own the singular version of, of birthday birthdayparty.com? Uh-huh. No, our our friend Rick Schwartz owns birthday party. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember at the conference, he he made it very apparent. He made it very aware oh, that he owns birthdayparty.com. <laughs> I had to let him know I know you own it. It's a wonderful, it's a great domain name. The way I sort of see it, he's got the A plus. That's a great domain. You know, my domain's an A or an A minus, but you know, mine's a plural. I am I'm showing birthday parties. So yeah, I am totally. a birthday party, but would I like that domain? Sure. I, I just I don't know if I can afford it right now. The thing's not generating any revenue. So I, I need to figure out if I can properly sell advertising, which I haven't gotten there yet. I've been more in the development mode. If I can properly sell it, I've had a phone conversation with Rick saying, okay, I, you know, we both know you have the domain. I'll probably be a good match for it, but he's going to want, he's going to want six figures for it. So I, right. I, now would I like to have it? Sure. But I, I can't, I, I can't go broke buying a domain. And he was, you know, mentioning some of the partnership things. I was like, right. yeah, I, pre I prefer to build solo. I prefer because, um, I like my projects to, I don't like growth just for growth's sake. So if, if a project takes a little bit longer to grow, I, I give my projects that breathing room. I, I don't like right. building projects with, you know, foot on the fuel and just growth at all costs and cutting corners. And Vidalia is a good example. I just let these things grow and I try at least steer them in good directions. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sometimes I, I make good decisions, but I let them grow as fast as they want to. And I just try to, you know, give them food and water and sunlight and, and and a proper hosting environment and and stand back and let them grow, but also doing wise things like you know paid search is a very effective lead generator for for Vidalia and and it's been very good so far for uh, birthday parties. But um, I don't want to. I'm not quite interested in doing partnerships on that. I um, gotcha. I, I tend to prefer you know the, the whole solo route on these. So then interesting because you mentioned growth. Now, I think in, in one of your latest tweets here in the last two weeks, like you had another sell that occurred from a development effort. Um, yeah. Brevard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Brevard is, I have a, this one was uh, almost like a love letter to that city. I, I grew up, you know, visiting Brevard. I still do to this day. It's in Western North Carolina, just about an hour south, 45 minutes south of Asheville. Yeah. And it's just, it's in like an outdoor paradise. It's its all in the Western North Carolina, you know, mountains. So it's forest, it's mountain biking, it's hiking, it's waterfalls everywhere you turn, hidden swimming holes. 
and just like the uh, it's like the, the perfect small town and is growing and it's become this this uh, destination for mountain biking now on really? the east coast it is the premier destination for mountain biking so it, it continues to develop this um yeah, this identity around being, if you are active in the outdoors, you go to Brevard. You don't go to Asheville. You go to Brevard that is south of Asheville. And this is where you stay um, for, if you want to stay heavy outdoors. It's interesting. If you go to Asheville, they're always promoting the outdoors and everything is down in Brevard. So everybody drives south to go down into Pisgah and go to Pisgah and DuPont. Right. Um, and everything's down in Brevard. So that domain uh, from what I understood, somebody sold it out of their own portfolio um, really? on Namejet, and it was just a, a public auction for Brevard, and I knew the city, and I thought it might be a fun uh, development project um, with my same designer that built birthdayparties.com for me, and um, so I built it, it, took six months to build it, bought the domain for roughly 11000 um, and yeah, built it out and it started getting great traffic from organic um, and started meeting businesses up there. I was hoping that I could make, you know, maybe 500 bucks a month, thousand bucks a month, something just minimal right. to keep it going and allow me to go up and, and slowly grow it. But, um, uh, and I'll mention, I mean, Jessica, she was nice enough to even talk to me prior to building that. And she was wise. She, she gave me a warning saying, Hey, it's typically, and I see most of my revenue coming in from the hotel side and, there aren't uh, a, there aren't a there aren't a large amount of hotels down there. I thought I'd might be able to, um, I guess, diversify the revenue from maybe fly fishing provider or, or guides, right. or uh, maybe the real estate industry, um, or restaurants. Maybe restaurant restaurants are, are are typically tough, and then maybe some of the few smaller hotels. But my sales aspects were, were, it was tough. It was tough to even convince them on, you know, 99 bucks a year, you know, 50 bucks a year. Wow. And at the moment where it started, where my, the time that I was investing in it started pulling away from uh, birthday parties, I realized I was like, I can't do this. I, I, it's, it's well, I not got a punt. I got a punt. I got, I got a punt. <laughs> I love the site. I still love the city and I'll still continue going up there. And I was fortunate at that point. I, I had, developed a relationship with their chamber of commerce and oh, nice. similar to call tracking. I kind of gave them first right of refusal. I was like, Hey, they had expressed interest in the domain. They kind of kicked themselves for not knowing that it was going up for auction. And so I gave them first right of refusal and, um, and sold it to them for what did I sell it to? 30,000 roughly for 30,000 to them. And um, yeah, and that just nice. occurred within the past couple of weeks. So it was good just to get that. And I'm kind of glad they have it. They've been operating off of uh, explorebrevard.com, I think is what they're operating off of. Yeah. And so I would I would expect maybe at some point they'll downshift. Hopefully they will. If not, maybe they use it for email or maybe they use it for social media or what have you. Nice. Um, but yeah, so able to, to sell that mainly to focus, just to stay focused on Vidalia on onions and birthday parties what I, I say produce and parties so i just i am produce i sell produce and i promote parties that that is what i'm focusing on right now <laughs> i really don't need any other uh, any other distractions let this me see if i can industry, find something for you yeah so i mean this domain <laughs> industry can pull you down different paths and it can it can 
it can present a lot of bright, shiny objects. And a lot right. of times, if you if you just because uh, I got pulled into that, and you're trying to develop too many projects at once. Ah. Um, but uh, allowing myself just to have because Vidalia is perfect. It's seasonal, and then having a birthday parties out there. Um, uh, where it's kind of my really marathon. I mean, they're both marathon projects, but it's especially a marathon project where um, I'm building. I'm trying to set this foundation for this, so it it properly grows, and I'm providing uh, uh, some sort of value to families out there that are or, or caregivers that are are trying to plan birthday parties for their kids or even for their adults or thirty or fortieth or you know seventieth birthday party, any type of celebration that they might be enjoying. Nice, nice. So then, yeah. so then, wrapping up because you kind of hit on a, a bit of the challenges. So I mean, in terms of what you you mentioned, in terms of there are a shiny, you know, many shiny different uh, shiny objects that yeah. the main investors and developers, you know, can chase. But for our listeners that are going, hey, I think I may have this opportunity to go develop a geo domain or to go develop an informational site or even. Um, you know, a service-based site, kind of like Vidalia Onions, like what what do you believe are the greatest challenges of uh, that sort of de- domain development effort? The greatest challenges of domain development? Um, probably just the, I'll tell you, some of the easiest aspects tend to be some of the hardest, just the consistency of it, just showing up every single day yeah. to build or to develop, to add small things to the site, to tweak, not tweak, but continue to build on the site or talk to customers or make sales calls, um, just to, to, to be accountable, to hold yourself accountable to these jobs day in, day out. Almost like looking at domain names because every single day I look at the expiring list. What's out there? What's interesting? More of just as, as an addiction now because I've been doing it for so long, so I don't know any different. But I always just look at those every day. It's like my morning paper. I get up, I look at all the expiring domains that are expiring. Are there any opportunities out there that might be interesting for me to develop? Um, Because I still think I have room for a third project. So I'm always looking for maybe a third project out there, like Kelan Pies I thought might be, but it didn't quite match. (laughs) Crab Claws is another that didn't quite work out. Um, But yeah, just the consistency and, and making sure before you jump into an industry, you have a level of interest because in order to, in order to sustain that level of concentration, in my opinion, you got to have some level of interest in it. I mean, you know, you could go after a site, you know, a domain that, you know, sells toilets, but you want to sell, some people do, like some people want to sell toilets on the internet, sell plumbing and stuff. I don't, but if you want to pursue a domain, make sure you have some level of interest in it because it's going to be your, you're going to be eating and breathing that if you really want that project to develop because your level of interest in it will translate over to your customers. They're going to be able to tell uh, if you're, yeah. if you're, if you're interested, you have an authentic interest in this product or service of this industry. If you're not, they're going to know from, right. the, from the output. When I got into dude ranch, I was fascinated with it. I had imposter syndrome, but I mean, who didn't want to, <laughs> who didn't want to promote it? A 130 year old cool cowboy industry. And I get to go visit dude ranches and collect belt buckles. And, and so that was an easy one. Vidalia ended up proving me that I was interested because I wasn't quite sure, but I had, I had just enough a level of interest and curiosity to, to dig into it. Um, 
And once I dug into it, I realized this is a really fascinating industry. And fortunately enough, I was able to touch on a pain point that existed there that I didn't realize existed until I truly built the business and started going down that path. Um, so yeah, the consistency, I would say, is one. And it's tough to do because you have to show up every single day and you have to keep yourself accountable to show up every single day. Right. Right. So if you had to do it all over again, I mean, would you do anything different, not develop, not have purchased or purchase more or? Uh, I wouldn't have bought land survey $26,000. I, I, I wouldn't have gotten a bidding war for that, that domain. I probably would have gotten more into the coding side. Uh, um, although a lot of stuff is going into the no code world now where you just kind of use third party applications and, and, yeah and pay or a monthly fee to use their pre-built kind of drag and drop application. But mm -hmm. I'll tell you, the more I learn about coding, the more fascinating it is. Um, I mean, I, I work so much in WordPress. So I just enjoy learning PHP and MySQL and how the database actually works and how does PHP work? Totally. What do all, and really trying to break down the back end of WordPress and looking at a raw install and looking at all these PHP requests and how they're working on the back end. So I can hopefully, if a problem pops up, I can try to fix maybe 80% of the stuff. But if it goes beyond my, level of knowledge i like leaning on you know my freelancers because they're experts and they love doing that aspect of it right. so i can concentrate on sales customer service a little bit of web development and then and then taking care of my customers and when really the uh when the meat of it or the important stuff i lean on my freelancers they're experts and they love doing that aspect and i enjoy working with customers and making sure i'm providing some product or service that makes their their life a little bit happier Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, last but not least, I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners? I mean, I know we've we've spent probably the last 90 minutes or so going through your journey, but is there anything else that you'd like to share? Oh, no. Um, no, I, just, I got my own rate. If you want to see, I have I mainly run my kind of top-level site off askyou.org, so askyou.org. Okay. Um, I think I have my Twitter link in that, but it's searchbound, S-E-A-R-C-H-B-O-U-N-D. I think I have a link on my askyou.org nice. uh, website. Um, yeah, and Twitter, I mainly, I like Twitter a lot just from a social aspect. I'm not on Facebook anymore, um, <laughs> but Twitter is wonderful. I've, I've met so many amazing people, really talented uh, folks through Twitter. I, I continue to be impressed with that entire, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I really enjoy uh twitter so i'm all, i'm probably on there you know once a day either gotcha. scrolling or trying to post something but mainly trying to expose domain stuff how to maybe if if an opportunity pops up that um maybe i don't have cash for i routinely try to expose hey here's a, a domain that seems to have like one recently was groceriebags.com i really liked you know and if you i don't know if it's if it's like this around you and austin uh, alvin you know if you go to whole foods or Publix or anywhere they have you know these cool little custom grocery bags with different images exactly. or star wars or or produce I was like, man, you could build a custom grocery bag business. That's a really interesting. And you could even do custom ones. If maybe right. somebody wanted to upload a photograph of their family, put the photograph on the grocery bag. But I was like, it's not necessarily in my wheelhouse. But man, somebody could build that as a side, totally as a side business. And for all you know, the, the revenue generated from that could allow you to move on to it full time, possibly. You never know. So whenever I uncover domains like that, I love sharing them within my Twitter because it's just the, the opportunity is sitting there waiting for someone to grab it and develop it. Um, and, and starting with a great domain name 
it is such, I've found is such a wonderful way to build some of these kind of these niche businesses, especially if you're a solo operator, it gives you this, this unfair advantage and it gives you, yeah, this, uh, uh, this, this kind of authenticity that's tough to get from the, the first outs, but at the, kind of from the, uh, from that first step, uh, and then allows you to kind of, you know, take additional steps forward from then you can provide a really great product or service, and then you can take care of your customers, and then you can start building a mailing list, and then XYZ as you keep building, uh, as you keep moving forward. Did I answer your question? Interesting. No, 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 that, that totally answers it. And so, so yeah, so, I mean, outside of that, hey, I guess with that, you know, we're out of time, but, you know, listeners, you can catch, uh, uh, Peter there at uh, Searchbound on Twitter. And so, you know, Peter, man, thank you. I can't thank you enough again, you know, for joining us today and uh, just sharing your entrepreneurial journey and developing domains uh, into uh, profitable businesses. So thank you for joining no, us. No, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. Oh, totally, totally. And I'm a, it's to a certain extent, it's like I was sad not to have met in Asheville, but this afforded us the opportunity to uh, to chat today. So I'm I'll, catch you there. I'll catch you there. I'll catch you there this year. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I'm kind of sad that you won't be at NamesCon, though. Yeah, I'll be there next year. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you'll sleep. You'll sleep. <laughs> Well, with that being said, listeners, thank you for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now. Thank you.